You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David. Now there's a root issue there. It's fear. He's afraid that David is going to take what is his. He's holding on too tightly. And this was what was so beautiful about Jesus, friends, because Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, was in heaven with a heavenly kingly position. He left that position, not his godness, his divinity, but he left his position to come down to lowly earth. He didn't hang on to it like Saul's doing right now. And so he's afraid of anyone that might come in and take this power that he enjoys. So it says he was afraid of David, verse 12, because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And so Saul, because of his jealousy and now hatred, his jealousy, his fear, turning into hatred towards David, he says, I don't even want him in my presence. And so I'm going to make him a commander over a thousand men and send him off to war just to get him out of my face. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, He was afraid of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. You know, next time we're going to talk about the enemy and his schemes and his tactics against us. But as we see here, even though Saul, he's like, I can't stand this guy. I want him out of my presence. So I'm going to make him ahead of a thousand men and go send him off to war where he becomes even more popular with the people. And he has opportunity to be on stage and show forth the favor and the wisdom of God. So as hard as the devil tries, friends, and as hard as our enemies might try, those that want to hurt us, God will only turn it around into good, and he will even make it so they fall into their very own pits. And all of Saul's conniving to try and bring David down actually contributes to his own downfall and to David's exaltation. And so let's remember that as we're going through. Don't get crazy about it. Trust God. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? Trust God. You trust him for salvation. Trust him for the other aspects of your life. And, uh, and so then that brings us to verse 17. It says, Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Mirab. I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. So this seems like a wonderful offer from Saul. David, I love you so much. I want to welcome you into my family. Only go out there and be brave, man. Put your life on the line and go into danger. and Be a valiant warrior. 
so that you can really earn your worth as part of my family. But it goes on to say in the middle of verse 17, For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Instead of me killing him personally and having the repercussions of killing a very popular person, I'm just going to let the Philistines kill him as I encourage him to be brave and put himself into dangerous situations. And uh, so in his heart, there's this spirit of plotting. Although it seems like he's favorable to David and he's putting up this front, he's really not. In Genesis 6, 5, as God is looking at the condition of the earth, he sees that men have become so depraved upon the earth that it's, it's time to send a flood. And this is what it says about what the Lord saw in Genesis 6, 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So even the things that they were doing that seemed good and nice to their neighbor inside there was evil intent, evil intent. And this is something that all of us have to watch out for, is putting up a front, you know, the fake smile and the welcome to someone we don't even like, perhaps. And so what are we to do? We'll pray for that person and pray for love. And yes, be cordial. I'm not saying don't be cordial and don't have good manners. But there's a fine line between that and flattery and inside having hate in your heart for someone and yet doing kindness and to take it even a step further to serve your own purposes. David himself would later fall to this same problem as he would uh, fall into adultery and had sexual relations with Bathsheba, someone else's wife, Uriah's wife, and then pull Uriah from the, uh, from the battle and say, hey, go home and, and be with your wife to try and make a cover-up because she had become pregnant. So David himself is going to fall to this kind of thing, this kind of plotting to try and cover up for himself and his true intentions. We're told in Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is taking that actor's mask that has a frozen emotion on it, right? Like a big happy face we can think of and putting it on, but behind the mask is something different, something fake. And God says, let love be without hypocrisy. So don't let your love be hypocritical and fake but love people in sincerity, truly, from the heart, and in truth. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Verse 18, so David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? He doesn't think highly of himself, even after defeating Goliath in such a dramatic way, he gives glory to God. He sees that it was God who does this, and he clothes himself in humility. And he says, you know, who am I to be son-in-law to the king? I don't come from a family that would be deserving of this. 
and I'm not deserving of it myself. And so instead of receiving the grace, he feels that there's something he must do or be to earn this position. And so it says in verse 19, but it happened at the time when Merib, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Mahalathite, as a wife. And so Saul doesn't keep his word to David, his offer to David, and marries her off to someone else. Some commentators believe that what Saul was trying to do was get David mad. How dare he give her to someone else when he promised her to me? And then maybe it would incite him to say something or do something against the crown, and he would have reason then to dispose of David. Uh, whatever the case, we're going to see as we go along that Saul does become obsessed with terminating David and desires to plot and scheme to do so. Now, in verse 20, it says, Now Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Saul is going to depths we didn't know he was capable of at this point as he is plotting against David and wants to trap him, a snare. When I think of a snare, I always think of those old, old cartoons with the bear traps and they've got the big with exaggerated teeth on them, you know, and that little pad in the middle. And when someone steps on it, it goes wham, and it grabs the leg, you know, Elmer Fudd hoping to get Bugs Bunny or something like that. And so Saul is setting this snare, this trap for David, that the hand of the Philistines would be against him. So what exactly he was thinking in this marriage, how it would uh, be a snare to David, we're not sure, but it could be that, you know, as he would marry Michal, it would domesticate the warrior. He would lose the eye of the tiger, so to speak. You know, like in that old Rocky movie when Rocky was this tough guy, right, from the hood. And then he got wealth and comfort in everything and in things with his relationships smoothed out for a time and he lost the eye of the tiger the fighting spirit so it could be that this is what Saul is wanting to do with David but it's pretty sick that he would use his own daughter in this way you know the only reason I want to give my daughter to this man to marry is to be a snare to him so again, Saul is just getting deeper and deeper into the depths of his own sick thinking. And it says in the middle of verse 21, Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall be my son-in-law today. Verse 22, And Saul commanded his servants, Communicate with David secretly and say, Look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servant spoke those words in the hearing of David, and David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? As we go through the book of 1 Samuel, we're going to see that 
David has an enormous respect for the position of king. And so to him, it is no light thing that he would be the son-in-law to the king who's been appointed by God to be the leader of God's people, Israel. He doesn't see himself worthy, as we've mentioned. Remember that he's the youngest in his family, and he was, this kind of thinking was spoken into him from his youth, that you're the youngest, and you need to be out with the sheep, and we're not even going to invite you as, uh, to be one of the prospective people to be the next king as Samuel would come along. So he doesn't think well of himself in this way, despite the great success that God's been giving him. Verse 24, and the servants of Saul told him, saying, in this manner David spoke. So Saul's trying to get this together, and David's just going, no, no, I, I can't do that. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. In verse 25, then Saul said, thus you shall say to David, the king does not desire any dowry but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. Now, this is a very sick and gross thing, request from Saul, but remember that uh, the uh, rite of circumcision was a part of being Jewish. It was handed down to Abraham and passed on to his descendants. So the Philistines, in contrast, were these uncircumcised men. Figuratively, we see in the Bible that the uncircumcised are people, Gentiles, who live for self and live for the flesh. They put the body first and the body's cravings first, whereas circumcised are ones who've cut that away and said, no, I'm not going to live after the flesh, but I'm going to live after the Spirit. I'm going to go God's way and, and not listen to my own bodily cravings and let that rule me, but I'm going to be ruled by God and submitted to him. And so here Saul is saying, take vengeance on, I want to take vengeance on my enemies, David. You go out and get a hundred foreskins. Kill those Philistines. Bring their foreskins to me and you will earn the right to be a part of my family. But it says here, end of 25, but Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. This would make David hated in the eyes of the Philistines even more than he already is. Because he would go out, kill uh, you know, their soldiers, and then not just kill them, but mutilate them. And, and this would really make him loathsome in the eyes of the enemy, and they would want to kill him all that much more. And so this is what Saul's trying to do. So he's seeking to use David's feelings of unworthiness against him. And he, his schemes are relentless, and they change with the circumstances. As Saul tries one thing to trap David, and it doesn't work, he then reassesses the new situation and circumstances and adjusts his plan to try and do it another way. This reminds us of the schemes of the devil against us, and the devil's schemes are relentless, and they're ever-changing as our circumstances change, whether it be on the individual level, the family level, which he seeks to destroy, government levels, and nations. He is a constant, constant enemy and planner. He's obsessive about it, and he comes against us without 
pulling punches. Verse 26, so when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now he was happy. Oh, I can earn it. Oh, good. I got this. You know, I can go out and kill some guys and come home and be accepted into the family. You know, sometimes we're tempted to think like this, like it can't be that, the gospel can't be that easy. Just to have faith and, and believe and go, oh, you want to accept me into your family, Lord? Okay, I receive it. And yes, there's a price to pay. Jesus paid it. And so we can take the worthiness of Jesus upon ourselves and we can step into the family of God because of what Jesus did for us. And the invitation's there. It's not just an invitation, it's a command. Jesus says, come unto me. He commands us to. But it is our choice, and in that way, it's an invitation. And so let's choose today, if we haven't already, to be a part of the family of God by his grace. And if we're trying to earn that, let's stop trying to earn it. You're worthy because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for you. And so David is excited that he can go out and just kill Philistines to earn this. And so it says in verse 27, Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, as wife. So David goes above and beyond, and God actually blesses his endeavor to show Saul, my favor's upon David, and whatever your schemes and your plans are, they're not going to work. They're actually only going to serve to further God's plan and to bring David into an even better position. And so he becomes uh, married into the king's family, uh, making him even closer to the throne than he was before. Now, the Bible tells us that when David later in life wanted to build a temple for the Lord, God said, no, but your son will do it. Uh, and the reason he told him no is because he had too much blood on his hands. And this is an example in the life of David, and there are many, where there was just too much blood on his hands. He had killed too many people and quite happily did so. Verse 28, thus Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So we see a progression of fear happening. This fear that Saul had that David would come and usurp his throne was growing stronger and stronger in Saul, and he was becoming more and more desperate. But the Bible says, do not fret, it only leads to harm. And so as Saul is worried because he doesn't want to let go of what God has already taken from him, his mind is becoming more and more polluted and more and more evil and more and more obsessive about this thing. Guys, it's important to let go of what God wants to remove from you. 
It's important. It's important to let go of addictions. It's important to let go of whatever you might be holding on to, you know? The house. I can't lose the house. My idol becomes the house. Whatever happens in life, I can't lose the house, and I'm willing to do whatever, any means possible, to keep the house. And God says, why don't you let go of the house? I've got five more that could be yours. I'm not saying that you'll get five houses if you let go of the one. But I'm just saying that God, he's got provision beyond provision. Whether you're owning or you're renting or whatever. And so, yes, you know, we work hard, we provide for our families, but when it's time to let go, you just let go and trust God. Believe him for miracles and receive the peace. Saul's not letting go, and he's holding on tighter and tighter, and it's, it's his demise as his fear grows. And then it says in the middle of verse 29, so Saul became David's enemy continually, continually. This is like the devil towards Jesus and Christians, and God and his people. The devil is an enemy continually, relentlessly. Verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. So we see in David a progression of wisdom and of acceptance and of favor as he puts his trust in the Lord. And remember, he's oblivious to all this. He's not even aware that King Saul is a continual enemy of him. And yet God is there giving him favor and blessing him in all that he does. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Chapel Anaheim in Anaheim, California. We encourage you to stick around until the end of the program as Pastor James will be back with a few closing thoughts. Now, if you're in the area, we would love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you to let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get In Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Now, here is Pastor James with some closing thoughts. Maybe some of you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. It's, and what does that mean to be saved? Well, it means you're not going to go to hell when you die because you'll stand before God and you'll be able to say, I'm clean and forgiven because of the blood of your son, Jesus, who died for me. And he'll say, yes, you are. Praise God. And he'll invite you into the kingdom. But it also means now that you're protected. You're protected from the evil one. You're protected from the, the wiles and the schemes of the enemy who wants to tear you apart. And you are part of God's family, so you have his favor, not just his protection, but his active favor in your life where th things just work 
out. And if they don't work out right away, they will. And, and that thing that seems so horrible now becomes a blessing later. Oh, man, it is so sweet to be in relationship with God. So what must you do? Well, you must reach out to him and just confess your sin. And then believe that Jesus Christ has died for those sins. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He's coming back. Thank you, Jesus. And you put your trust in him for that salvation and you surrender yourself to him and say, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. Enter into relationship. I'd like to give you a chance to do that right now. Let's go ahead and pray. If you've never prayed to ask Jesus Christ into your heart and life, pray this prayer or something like it. If you have, you're just renewing, recommitting. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I don't deserve your goodness and your perfection. Please forgive me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. Come into my life, Jesus. I make you my king. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.